Hey, we want to welcome the center worshipers in with us today and uh, looking forward to talking with you today and sharing with you today. I love Josh Thomas. You like Josh Thomas, huh? I just told his wife when I walked up here, I said, I love Josh Thomas. Well, we're going to spend some time today. uh, Some of you are discouraged. I can tell, man, you got the long face. He's going to kill me, but you want me to tell you one of the guys that's discouraged today? Bill Slack's been discouraged. Bill, Bill Slack, you've been discouraged a little bit, haven't you? Come on, be honest, Bill. You've been, a little bit. I know, I know, I can tell, Bill. I can tell when I, when, when I talk to you. Bill, would you let people know that we didn't script that, that you were just in shock when I said that? Is anybody else in the room? Would you just let them know? Okay, all right. But I'm uh, going to spend just a few minutes today just kind of talking to you. I, what I want you to do is get something to write with um, and grab that little bulletin. Uh, there's some little blanks we're going to fill in, and that's just so I won't rattle on until uh, 1 or 2 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, five little things I'm going to kind of keep my comments around. But today's one of those days I just want to sit in the chair with you and talk to you. Uh, I think it's important that we talk for a few minutes we're going to be having a church conference here in a couple of weeks. We need to talk about that. There's just several things that we need to talk about and be sure we're on board with. Uh, we can't move forward until we have good, clear communication on, on, on where we're going and so on. Uh, just want to start out before we even get into these five areas and talk to you a little bit about um, something that I guess, I, again, I've just done a poor job of preparing you for. But um, understand, when any time a church is transitioning, and man, there's no question that our church is, is transitioning, the pastor's going to get beat up during that. I, I guess you didn't know that, or you didn't expect that. I guess you just thought, man, that whoever is going to lead this transition is going to be the most beloved person ever in the history of the church. And so some of you are just, some of you are discouraged because, you know, you you love Becky, uh, you, you tolerate me, but you love Becky, and you think, man, our pastor's getting beat up, and some of you are discouraged about that. Some of you are discouraged about the election, and what, what a mess that is. And I, I don't know how to coach you, encourage you on that, other than point you to the Lord. I mean, man, that's, I mean, let's just go ahead and get a big amen. That's a mess. Amen? That's a mess. Okay. And, and, and to be honest, I mean, for us that went and voted, for us that prayed, for us that made a commitment to try to rally up everybody we could to be involved, I mean, we got an email here at the church that said somebody came along in the church parking lot and saw some flyer and the church shouldn't be telling people who to vote. Did your pastor or any of your leadership ever tell you who to vote for? I'm listening. No one ever, never mentioned any candidate. I, I, I have not mentioned any candidate. I just said, go vote and pray. Remember, that's all we talked about. So, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just part of it. And so uh, today I just want, want to encourage you a little bit. Um, be, be aware that leadership is just one of the most, um, Becky hates this word, gut-wrenching <laughs> exercises known to mankind. Because, I mean, you see it all, and I lead with my heart, and I lead right out there in front. Uh, I, I pull no punches. I'm transparent with you. Um, man, they may get me on a lot of things, but it won't be lying. I'll be telling the truth. Sometimes I tell too much of the truth. And so today, I just want you to understand, 
Uh, when people transition out of a church during times of adjustment in transition, you might just want to scratch this down because, uh, you know, some of you will just start with that little list. Some of you are just discouraged because some of your friends have transitioned out or they're not back or whatever the case may be. But uh, one of the things I just want you to jot down, not in your fill-ins, extra, won't charge you for this, is just a little phrase that you always need to remember during transition. That's called stir the nest. Some people move out during a time of a company transition, during a church transition, because once you get into certain pockets where people have been comfortable for years, and those are not the most productive areas, and you start trying to streamline those or make adjustments in those areas, it's called stirring the nest. When you do that, some people get agitated, and that will cause them to jar out and leave. You hope they don't leave. You hope they get on with what other bigger, bigger vision is, but so often that, that little issue happens. A second thing you might just want to remember is that sometimes people will, will transition because they don't like the new leadership. They don't like the new leadership. It's, it's a leadership issue. I was just thinking a few minutes ago as we were singing, a man that went to church here all my life, about eight weeks after I was here as pastor, got up, pronounced, I'm leaving the church. We're not going to have a pastor that won't wear a coat and tie every Sunday morning. And he hadn't been back. He left. He sat right over here. Had, had another man sit back there in that same section at the back, got mad when the, the big table in the middle of the church was removed out here in the foyer. And so he, he left. And so understand, uh, whether it be Josh Thomas having a choir stand, I remember that battle. I mean, whether it be Pastor Kevin trying to take groups to four continents, I remember that battle. I mean, it doesn't matter who the leadership is. At times, there's going to be any group, uh, any number of people that just don't like the new leadership. There's not, any, there's not a lot you can do about it. It's just, I mean, that's just the way it is. I want you to jot down a third thing, just, 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 to be, just to be aware. Maybe we should have talked about this on the front end. And that is sometimes people just leave because of direction. Church is buying this property. We're going to be building a campus north of here. And we don't like the, the, the new direction. And, when, and, and, if, and if a person leaves in that camp, here's the kind of phrases you'll hear right before they leave and after they've left. They'll say things like, the church doesn't look like it, it, it did before. Or you know what? I don't even recognize the church anymore. And many times the best response, response to that is to say, praise the Lord. <laughs> We're glad it didn't look like before. Not always, but sometimes. But direction can be a big, big issue. And I just shouted a fourth thing down, and that just recently happened with one of our great families here. It was just the cost was too much. Number four, people leave because this is going to cost something. And uh, their, their statement was, all the church talks about, all you preach about is money, Pastor Mike. Now, that's interesting. How long has it, heard, how long has it been since you've heard me preach about money? It's interesting, isn't it? But, you know, at the bottom of that, you understand, don't you, if you're going to stay here with us, this transition is going to cost all of us immensely. I shared that with you. I shared that with the search committee coming in. Hey, if this thing can be salvaged, and this is my fifth turnaround church, if this thing can be salvaged, it's, it's going to cost all of us something. And I don't, I, I don't mean just financially. It's going to cost our prayer lives. It's going to cost immense work and labor. It's going to cost us having to use our talents. 
it's going to cause some of our seniors having to be resurrected back to your younger days and pull a heavier load than you thought you were going to have to in retirement years. It's going to require some of our young adults to grow up faster than we hoped they had to. I mean, it's going to cost us something. And so with that in mind, let's take that burden off of you. Your pastor's fine. Uh, we're doing great. We're used to taking bullets. Uh, I mean, that's just part of it. And what keeps me up here every week and what will keep me up here to the very, very bitter end is a simple fact that God has called me to this task. And I'm going to love you every step of the way, even when you beat me up. One of the things that was one of my most embarrassing moments growing up was, and Ray and Jamie Wright will tell you this story because they were a part of the team that helped my parents, but I grew up, I had a lot of shots when I was growing up, and uh, my parents were going to take me down for some school vaccinations. And uh, they kind of deceived me a little bit. I, that, they, it was kind of under the cloud of, we're going to go get some, we're going to get some ice cream. And then I think they probably sit under the breath <coughs> after you get your shot. <coughs> and then when I got down there and saw what was happening, I threw a wall-eyed fit. Screaming, kicking, spitting. I mean, I wasn't going to have those shots. Well, I got the shots. And uh, probably didn't get the ice cream. I don't remember that part. But, you know, that's how I feel sometimes. You know, hey, trying to, trying to help lead people to really what is the best option for us, even though it's very painful. Uh, sometimes it's dragging and screaming, but that's okay. Uh, I, I know God's called us to this task. I know he's going to deliver us in this task. And in doing so, uh, my heart is in it. My heart is in it. And so today, I, I just want to talk into that discouragement. I want to just share heart to heart with you about some five areas. I think it'll be good information for you. It may foster up more questions. What I hope it fosters is some dialogue. Maybe, maybe, hey, hey, Pastor, you talked about this a couple weeks ago. I have a question about it. Would you kind of talk more about that follow-up and so on? And so those are great moments for me to be able to kind of speak into follow-up questions and things that you uh, may have some concerns about. And uh, hopefully we can invest a little more today, communicate a little more, clarify, encourage uh, all of those things. I wasn't going to do this, but I am. Before I get to those five things. Some of the reasons that I'm so excited about Oakland Heights. One of the reasons I'm so juiced up right now is just the simple word core for me. We have a core of people here that will not be shaken. And I know wherever this ship goes, that core is going to hang with us. When you have that kind of strength in a central core of the church, man, you just don't realize how much that means as you're trying to do the best you can at leading. There is a great core. It's interesting because one of Oakland Heights' weaknesses was it our church got hung in the 70s and 80s and never was able to progress out. But out of that tradition and hanging on to that, not even knowingly, that it actually is also kind of doubled as not just a weakness, but as a strength. Because there's a core body within that work 
that believes strongly in the proclamation of the word and the mission emphasis and conservative doctrine and believes in our leadership team and believe in what we're doing, that core really, really excites me. I'll tell you a second thing that I'm really excited about is the depth and the talent and the ability and quality of the families that God is sending to us. Families like Higginbotham's and Garrison's and I could go on and on with lists of people that I'm just really excited because, man, God is sending us some incredible people. You do realize that in three or four years when that new facility opens, we're going to look a lot different than we do now. If I brought that crowd from across the street over here, it, it would change the look of this room dramatically. You do understand it's not going to look just the same. So you've got to prepare your heart for that. The core will be here. But there'll be many people that'll be joining us around the fringes. I've just seen this time and time again. It's going to happen. When we get the components in place, and we're only about halfway there, even with our leadership team, I mean, when we get children's area, which we'll talk about, rebuilt, and all those kind of areas, there's going to be some great things that happen. But we're not here for just a flash in the pan. This thing's got to be built from the ground up so it'll last. It's not going to be built on some kind of quirky mechanism. It's going to be built out of the very spirit of God breathing into our leadership about God's perfect timing and will for our church and how we can be the most effective stewards of what he's given us. And so that excites me that God is already bringing us, even in, in, in some of our weakest moments, some of the greatest, incredible families that are going to help us. I'm excited, number three, because we're doing the right things. We're focused on the two things we need to be focused on. We've got to have the right ministry tools. That includes facilities. That includes facilities. We've got to understand that this is not the most effective location for our ministry. Whether we like that or not, that's the fact of it. You talk about millions for us to be able to get 20 acres right here, the land that we need, what are we going to buy up 16 businesses and still have a 50-mile-an-hour highway in, in between our campus? I mean, you start talking about asbestos and tearing down things and trying to rebuild, and you're still not in the premium area. You know, one of the things we mentioned a few moments ago is when people so often leave in transition, they leave because of direction. You know, that's been our lowest of the four prompters. Very few people have said anything about being on the right direction because it's obvious. Whether we like it or not, that 20-acre track is, will be an incredible ministry tool for us in the future. As you know, we're about to select a team to decide what to do with this campus. And there'll be a year or so of work that will go into that and prayer and seeking God's leadership and all of those components. But understand that we're doing the right thing in that area. And, and we're also doing the right thing when we start talking about church health. There's so much growth that needs to happen in us. We're not a building. Those are just tools. Those are just ministry tools. That's all they are. But understand that the church sat down in 2015, two years before I arrived, and said, we're going to transition from a committee-driven church to a staff-driven church. That's what you decided two years before I ever showed up on this, in, in, on this premises. We're going to get a new constitution, bylaws, all those things. We're going to make those adjustments. And so understand that this, I mean, this whole transition, trying to move into a more healthy environment from leadership to the members of the church, 
what, what's so exciting for me is I have the opportunity several times each year to sit down with people who are going through the spiritual gift inventory and seeing for the first time, sometimes people that have been Christians 40, 50 years discover their spiritual gift or gifts for the very first time and then helping them get assimilated into the right place of service, man, that rings my bell. Those are markers of great health for a church. And just the emphasis on getting people placed in the right places. Well, quickly, let's grab the chair and let's talk for a few moments. Let's talk, first of all, about some new challenges. Would you jot that down? Some new challenges. Five things. I'll move quickly. Some, some new challenges that I want us to talk about. In the midst of, as, as if we didn't have enough challenges, how about a few new ones? Are you excited about that? Say, woohoo! I'm excited. Say, Pastor, we need a few more challenges. Some of those new challenges, first of all, are going to be regathering our membership. I mean, you look around, we still got 40% of our people that haven't returned. Around 40%. I'm really excited because on the first weekend of December, Bill McMillan's going to come here. He's going to come from Dallas and share with you a few minutes. And here's a guy that is in so many different churches. And I ask him, and I ask area pastors, I've asked a couple of our revival speakers this last week, they're, we're going to have a big revival, talk about that in the middle, end of February of next year. Talk to, talk to uh, Dr. Metter and some other, and David Allen. Hey, how are the ch churches in the Metroplex doing? Well, some of them hadn't reopened. Most of them are running about 40, 50%. So one of the things that you and I are going to be challenged to do when this vaccination begins, actually I think it's going to be plural, vaccinations, they begin to swing around this next year. One of the things you and I are going to have to really do a great job of is we've got to regather. We've got to regather. That's going to be a big point of emphasis for us. And can I just say, I don't know how else to address this, but just head on. You and I know that in this pandemic, some people are using the pandemic as a cover for not going to church. Now, very few pastors in America would say that, but I'm crazy enough to say it. I mean, when we see them camping and we see them down here at the Christmas tree lighting and there's hundreds of people and then it's not safe to go to church, you know my word for that, bull corn, okay? But there's also, now listen to me, there's also... There's also some people that have legitimate health issues that need to be sheltering in place. Recognize that. And so we've got to back off of that excuse-driven thing. You know it's there, I know it's there. And we've got to leave that in the Holy Spirit's hands. That's dangerous turf for us to be trotting on. Because I'm not a medical doctor and most of you are not medical doctors. And you know what? Even if we were, that's, that's just probably area we need to leave that up to each person under the direction of the Holy Spirit. But regathering. A second new challenge for us is going to be 8%. The best church statisticians, the best church researchers tell us that when this thing ends, even next fall when we think most of the United States will be vaccinated and we hope we've moved on. Now we don't know. We don't have a crystal ball, do we? We're hoping that's what will happen. That there'll be about 8% of people that will not come back. Even when we regather and you say, no, wait, wait, wait. Well, oh, oh so they're going to go over here to another church. No, 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 no. They won't come back to any church. They like the pajamas. 
They like watching in high definition in digital fashion. They don't, I don't think, maybe some of them will return years from now, but you and I are going to have to develop some strategies if that 8% is close or accurate, or if it's 5%, or if it's 3%, or if it's 11%. We're going to have to, as a church, begin to rethink how do we really reach into those, and the way I put it in my notes, those that are going to cling to the digital connection. Well, one way is to turn it off. But then they'll watch somebody else, won't they? And so this digital connection is something that even though it's been a great blessing, Satan could use that as a destroyer of the fellowship of the church in many cases. So that's a second new challenge. And then I jotted this down, new challenge, not really new, but a continuing challenge, safety. You and I got to keep working hard in this area of safety. Our staff and leadership team will continue to try to be sure mask and, and, and emphasis on washing hands. Hey, we know now, don't we, that the big three work pretty well in controlling this stuff, even if we have to be out and about. Masking, dis- distancing, and washing. We know those are really effective. Are they perfect? Not saying they are, but they, they are really effective at keeping us safe from the virus. And usually, even people in our church, we've had three or four cases in our church of people that go to our church. We don't think they contacted it here. They're in quarantine and all those things. And we've been praying for their safety and checking on them and dropping meals off and all those kind of things. But all three or four of those that I'm aware of right now all said, hey, I think I know where I picked it up. I let my guard down. We didn't wear a mask. Probably didn't do as good a job as I should have. We were hugging and close and It's like, I think that's probably where we picked that up. And so under new challenges, did you get those regathering, the 8%, we're going to have to work real hard going into the fall to work on that 8% or so, and safety. Let's don't let our guard down these last few months. Hey, it's been a long time since March, amen? Been a long haul, hadn't it? So many of you have seemingly, we don't think have had, had COVID, and, and we want to keep you safe from having that, but still be able to worship together and still be able to have meaningful relationships. Second big uh, area I want to just share with you quickly are some points of emphasis. Some points of emphasis. Just want to let you know what we're going to be as a leadership team emphasizing. We're going to crawl through these holidays very safely. We're not going to be launching a bunch of new activities. We're just going to get through Christmas and New Year's let these people work toward the vaccine, try to keep people safe and sane and work hard in those areas, knowing that by late January and February, we're going to start ramping up a few additional activities. And we hope that that vaccine is going to slide right in there beside us and help us. But three areas that we're really going to be focusing on, number one, small group ministry. We're on our way. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of seeing the key number of electoral votes. Can I hear an amen to that? So I hate to do this to you, but our key number that you'll be seeing a lot of over the next eight, nine years is 80. We want to be able to get to where we have 80 small groups working on our campus every Sunday. 80 small groups. If you're a real processor, you kind of already figured out, hey, about 17 or 18 of those will be newborn through youth 
couple college career, and then the rest of those in the high 60s, mid-60s, are going to come in uh, at, with adult classes. We're, we're about 26 classes right now. So we have got over the next several years, we will be recruiting many more new teachers, many more new small groups. We'll have to be started, started and nurtured. We'll have to build those, and we can do that. That's something that's very attainable. But that'll be something that we'll do year after year. We'll create new small groups. The second point of emphasis is, is, is a heavy thing for us, and that's children's ministry. We've got to get a leader in here for our children's ministry. You ever search for a staff person during a pandemic? That's what I thought. It's kind of interesting. How do you interview during a pandemic other than Zoomy? Zoom. <laughs> Hey, it's a challenge, but we're so fortunate that we've kind of locked on again to three or four great candidates. We are working as fast as we can on getting a leader for our children's ministry. And when we do, we're going to have to do exactly like we did with Jared Gann. We're going to have to surround that ministry. We're all going to have to give a little of ourselves, prayer-wise, outreach-wise, laborious-wise, labor we're going to have to jump in and get that area restructured and rebuilt. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty pleased the way our youth are trending. Amen? I mean, I know you don't get to see them a lot on Sundays, but there are some incredible things happening in that area. And children will be the same way. Even in the transition to another campus, we'll make that work. There's some good things coming. Just be aware that's one of our high priorities for us. And number three... February 20th, 21st, and 22nd, we are going to have a knock-it-out-of-the-park revival. Saturday night, two services on Sunday, and one on Monday. And I know you're looking at me like, are you nuts? Absolutely. I came to Oakland Heights, didn't I? I'm excited about a revival. Even before that, at the end of January, Dr. Gregory Frizzell, who is the revival guru in America, will be here right here the whole weekend, the last weekend of January with us, speaking into our hearts about revival preparation. We're going to see a massive choir. I'm so excited about Jason Millsaps coming out of Florida. He's going to be leading our music that week. He is amazing. Second, second best in America to Josh Thomas. I want you to know that. But Jason's pretty good. But anyway, we're, we just, it's going to be amazing. And so those are going to be the three big points of emphasis for us. Just wanted you to be aware of that. Number three, third thing, jot it down and we'll hurry. I want to talk just for a moment about resources. You're going to hear, hear Bill McMillan speak about resources in a couple of weeks. And that's not, hey, you need to give more money although that would be a good thing too. But resources, what I want to try to communicate to you is we're not in a bad place. We are not in a bad place. It's amazing where we are. It's just by the grace of God, amen? I mean, I mean, payroll during all of that, all that PPP stimulus stuff came in at just the right time to pay our workers during that big layoff that we had. I mean, there have been some amazing things that have happened this has been a tough, tough 14-month stretch for our church. Everybody in America is battling pandemic kind of stuff. 
But not everybody in America started off a few months ago, even prior to that, with $1.2 million in storm damage and being displaced from our church. Only to be back a few months and COVID lights into us. You may not be aware, but Capital Campaign and Church Giving Specialists, they have gone back and they've charted election years, presidential election year every four years. Guess what happens during the election cycle in evangelical churches time and time again on presidential falls? It drops dramatically. It doesn't matter who's incumbent or no incumbent. I mean, crazy kind of stuff. I mean, I mean, elections are tough. And so be aware for all that we've been through, our focus will still be streamlined into these three areas. Very simple for us. Number one for us is we got to take care of our general budget. We need some of you new people to cinch up and help us. We need some people giving more when they can. And we also have a heart to understand that some people are in transition and work and it's tough. These are crazy, economic, economic, however you want to enunciate that, days. But God's going to provide for us. Well, there's one thing you can say about Oakland Heights Baptist Church. There's some generous people in this church. Amen? There are some generous people. You are amazing in terms of your giving. But I just want you to know that we're not in a bad place the second big point of emphasis for us is two-prong, and that is, you know, we do not want our Lottie Moon offering to sink below $50,000. I don't care how chaotic it gets. Our mission giving at Christmas for our foreign missionaries has got to be spot on. So I know Becky and I are going to try to do something over and above this year. Others of you will pitch in. I, I'm trusting God that we'll hit that 50000 I know it's a huge mountain to climb. I'm just trusting the Lord that he'll get us there. You, you think our Lord's big enough to get us there? I think he's going to use us in a special way. And just want to remind you, our other point of emphasis is we're trying to get, what are we, just under 500000 now on our property that's, that's left to be owed? What are we, almost 80% having that paid off? We're doing all we can through our end-of-the-year gifts, after our general budget is taken care of, after our Lottie Moon's taken care of. Any other dollars we have, we're going to try to put in that area and try to get that last remaining amount that's owed on our land where we, again, are debt-free. Remember, as we go along, we're going to pay as we go. Even if we incur some temporary short-term debt, we're not going to launch the next phase of any construction until we are debt-free again. We do not want to take on in our church, our leadership team doesn't, our church body doesn't. You don't want to do that. We don't want to take on a 30-year note on $14 million. We're going to take small bites, get it beat out, save the interest on that, and try to be the best stewards that we can. Number four, let's talk quickly about future projects. Future projects. Many of you are aware that this next May, we will finish up our focus campaign. Some of you are brand new in our church. In fact, we have three or four visiting families sitting here. That, man, you've been with us the last several months. We're praying that you join soon. But man, this is a great opportunity for you to join in. Hey, well, we're, they're toward the end of this campaign. It's not too late for you to help us. In May, we're going to be finishing up a three-year campaign that just a little over $3 million has been pledged. Now, did you hear the challenges that we faced over the last three years? 
this place for four and a half months from our sanctuary with this million plus dollar claim, pandemic, and God has still delivered almost 2.4 million of that to date. And we've got another six or seven months left. I think we're going to get really, really close to hitting that $3 million mark. I think God's going to bring us through that as well. It's amazing how God does those things. But we've got to keep, in, keep focused on that finish in May of our folk. We've got to finish that strong. In two weeks, on what is that, the 22nd of November, we're going to have a special called church conference. You're put on notice. Your first announcement will be having that. And we're going to be bringing to you two committees of a list of names that our committee on committees have set aside to be on our new building committee for phase one and on our repurposing committee to start the process of trying to figure out and pray through what do we do with this campus? Will it be a second campus? Will it be sold? Will it be a new church start, maybe a multicultural ministry? What exactly will this campus be once we start transitioning to the North Campus? And so those two committees, very important in two weeks, for you to be praying about that slate of names that we'll be bringing forward for your consideration to allow them to start serving in these two very, very important areas. Well, finally, let's talk about unity. Just want to talk to you about unity for just a moment. Our New Testament, and I just jotted down a few of them, speaks so often to this concept of unity. Listen to what 1 Peter 3, 8 says. Finally, all of you be like-minded. Listen to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 2. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Listen to 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another and be of one mind. Do you remember in Acts chapter 4, that New Testament church was booming with growth. Down toward the end of that chapter, in Acts chapter 4 and verse 32, an incredible statement was made about what was happening. In fact, Luke wrote these words, all the believers were one in heart and mind. Listen to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 28. You are all one in Christ. And today, I want you to know, as I'm just trying to speak into your heart, talk to you about some of these important issues. Unity is one of those that are, is so very important to us. But the shock of all shocks may come when I share with you that unity, when we hear that word, we as believers so often think of many. I know what pastor's talking to us about now. He's talking to us about all being on the same page, all pulling together. And yes, I am, but understand, unity doesn't start with many. Unity always begins with you. Unity only starts with one. You see, before you and I can unify with any, any, anyone, period, we've got to be able to be connected to who we really are, an interconnectivity with our inner self. That's where unity starts. It starts with you and who you really are. You see, if you can't get along with yourself, then you're not going to be able to get along with others. And if you and I don't have peace within, then it's going to be impossible for us to have peace with others. 
And if we have wars going on inside of us, some issues that we haven't resolved, then it's going to be impossible to have unity on the outside with others. Before we can be comfortable with others, we've got to be comfortable with ourselves. Before you and I can have peace with others, we've got to have peace within ourselves. And so understand that unity does not start with many, but unity always starts with one. Four things I want to leave you with this morning. Very important. When we speak of unity, four very important steps that you and I, if we're going to be unified, we've got to make sure we're on the same page. Number one, we've all got to understand the direction and the vision. You're going to hear me talk about that over and over. We've all got to understand what the, what the direction of our church is, why we're going in that direction, what the vision of the Lord is for our church body. That is essential. Number two, we've all got to take ownership. You've got to find an area and invest. We all can invest in the same area. We're all different. We have different gifts, different abilities. We're at different places financially. We're at different places in life. But we all have got to invest. Number three, we've all got to contribute to the vision. We've all got to contribute to the vision. The direction that we're going, we've got to cinch up and pull together. You understand, our church will go nowhere until we're all pulling together. That's essential. Let's see, that's just a part of who I am. I come out of an athletic background. You know that. I mean, I would never think of going on any kind of competition without knowing that everybody on my sideline, on, on my bench, on our court, are all pulling together. I mean, that's a recipe for disaster to have some trying to go one way, some trying to go another. And let me tell you something. There'll be plenty of critics that'll try to pick us apart even when we're successful, Satan being the ultimate. So it's essential that we all contribute to the vision we're pulling together. And number, three, uh, number four, we've got to pass on the vision. We've got to pass on the vision. We're going to feed off the emphasis of enthusiasm and encouragement that you bring to others. You know, today, I just want you to know that I'm not going to allow you to be discouraged. Let me put my mask on. Aren't you glad you're not the cameraman today? Bill Slack? I ain't going to let you get discouraged, do you? Right. You hear me? Appreciate it. I ain't going to let you get discouraged. Right. Mr. Pugh, yes, have people on know who you are. Tell them how excited you are to be at Oakland Heights. Very excited. Give me a big whoop about it. Woo! That's right, man. Papa Phil, not going to let you get discouraged. You hear me? No need to talk to Miss Janice. You can't discourage her. Let's stand together. Would you do that? Our worship team's going to come. Let me lead us in prayer. Stand with us. Lord, there's work to be done. And we offer up our hands to you today, our hearts to you today, everything we've got. Father, churches across America today are discouraged. Man, these are discouraging times. 
not just our church. People look across their churches. Most of the people aren't back. Many churches, offerings are off. Election year, pandemic. People are filled with uncertainty. But Father, despite all those things, during days of challenge and difficulty have been some of the most wonderful days of accomplishment for your church throughout history. And Father, as bad as things may seem to us, having to wear a mask, and there are a lot of people dying. Father, this is not the first time. A lot of people were dying back in that first century as well, not because of a pandemic. Well, I guess a pandemic called Roman authorities. Christians were being persecuted, murdered, abused. And Father, maybe today we feel a little beaten up and jostled around. and Well, we're just discouraged. And we know at this moment that one of the great things that can happen is for believers around us to lift, lift, and lift, and lift some more. Lord, let our church body be an energizer to this community. When others are down and discouraged, looking for the negative, looking for the difficulty and all the things and highlighting that, that we might come along and say, yes, everything you said is true, but the Lord is good. Father, help us to find the positives and to emphasize that. Father, today we just want you to know that we come together as one to serve you. We may not all be in uniformity, but we can be in unity, standing together to accomplish what you've called us to accomplish. Father, we love you. And we sing today because we know you live. We sing today because you are the very God that sent your son, the Lord Jesus, that overcame death itself, the very God that will send the Lord Jesus back to us one day. Father, we pray for America today. We need healing. We need healing. And Father, it's so big that one person can't do it or one party can't do it or even a group of people can't do it. We need your intervention. And God, thank you for this opportunity. Big faith oftentimes comes about because big trials. And for you to trust us with this kind of challenge, boy, you must have big, big things in store for our church family. Father, we love you. And these things we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.